0: Matthew 13 is uh, where we're going to be at. If you would like to stand when we read the Bible, you are welcome to do that. Many of you like to do that. Uh, If you are not able to or need to sit, that's absolutely fine. Beginning in verse 1, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they did not have depth of soil. But when the sun arose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, They withered away. Other seeds fell along the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell in the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, "'Why do you speak to them in parables?' And he answered, "'To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given.'" For to the one who has more will be given, and the one who has and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, saying, You will indeed hear, but never understand, you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear. And their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. Okay, so what he's going to do right now, is he's going to explain the parable. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with all joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word but the cares of the world And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and he indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, we pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see today. Father, please cultivate our hearts Lord, I pray that you would till up our hearts with repentance, with affection for you, love for others, and we'd be ready for the word today. God, I pray that it would transform us and bring a great harvest. Please bring this about, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So I I want you to, first of all, just marvel at the power of the Word of God. I'm imagining that many of you have Bibles that you've brought today. Uh, Maybe if you didn't bring it today, you have one at home. Maybe if you like to use it on your phone or tablet, the same thing. But in other words, you have access to the Word of God. And what I want you to just rejoice in today is the power of that Word to change, to transform, to do incredibly good things in your life, okay? So this parable that Jesus speaks is about how the Word is able to change our lives. So the the Word is the seed, right? That's the parable. The sower goes out, and he sows the seed, and it represents the Word of the kingdom. Uh, The interpretation in verse 19 tells us that, that it, it represents the Word of the gospel, the Word of the kingdom, the truths of the Bible, Right? And so just think for a moment about the incredible capacity that the Word of God has to change your life. Jesus says it can bring multiplied harvest, multiplied blessing, 30, 60, 100-fold, okay? Now, I, I believe that no matter where you're at spiritually this morning, I believe you're interested in things that can change your life. I believe you're interested in things that can do good things in your life. I believe that because I, I've watched the news in the last uh, month, and I've seen a whole bunch of hubbub on Mega Millions, right? On the whole lottery deal, right? The whole uh, buying a ticket and you could win. I don't know. How much could you win? I don't, I don't even remember how much that was, but it was probably more than you could spend, right? Maybe not. I don't know. Is there an amount more than we can spend? But yeah, it was a lot, Right. And there was all kinds of uh, all kinds of stirred up excitement over, over who's going to win all of this money. And why are people excited about that? Well, they're excited about that because they believe that that money can change their lives, right? That, that's why people are excited about it. They believe that money can change their lives. They believe that money can do incredibly good things for them and for their children and for their relatives and for their community. And they, they just think of all the good things that can happen if they were to win Mega Millions, all right? Not advocating the lottery here. Just telling you what I see, okay? Now, what I would like for you to do, though, is I want you to take that, all right? Now, I, I think most of us would believe that's true, even though the thing that nobody ever tells you is that money also can actually destroy your life. That, that's a real positive. It doesn't always have to, okay? But but that, that's real as well, is that, that money could harm your relationships. Money could harm you but just as well, but it has has the potential to do good as well. So, But what I want you to do is I want you to take that, put it right there, okay? So so Mega Millions could change my life and do all kinds of good things. Okay, so let's put that there. Now, I want you to compare that to the transformative power of this book, all right? So let, let's think for a second. What capacity does the Word of God have to change your life? Well, the answer to that, wow, okay, Is is this. Okay, the Bible says that the the truths of the gospel, the truths of the person of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his ministry, his righteousness, that has the power to bring you into eternal life, all right? Like, Like, eternal life makes mega millions look like Colt's change purse, all right? I mean, like... Like eternal life. Like, like you live forever in a resurrected body in the new heavens and the new earth with fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That is all directly out of the scriptures. That is the transformative power of the word of God. Now not to mention the power of the word of God to bring you into a right relationship with God, to bring you into forgiveness, to bring you into justification for your sin. How about this? The power of the word of God to change a person just right here and now. Like, like to actually make you new. The Bible describes the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus talks about how the Word, when sown in good soil, brings forth 30, 60, 100-fold fruit, right? Well, the Bible tells us in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So just imagine what Jesus is saying there. He's saying the Word of God has the potential to magnify your love a hundredfold, your joy a hundredfold, your peace a hundredfold, your patience a hundredfold. He's saying it can do all of this fruit in your life. It it, it can make you an effective disciple maker and soul winner. I talked to a guy yesterday out in the oil field. He said, you know, when I think of that 30, 60, 100, I think of the capacity that God might use me to bring other people into the kingdom Maybe 30, maybe 60, maybe 100. But here's the reality. Jesus is teaching, if you receive and believe his word, it will bring about multiplied blessing, right? Mega millions, if if, if we compare the two, mega millions is is a molehill and the Bible is a mountain, all right? That's, That's the capacity the scriptures have to change your life. But here is what Jesus is teaching us. Not everybody who hears will be changed okay so that's kind of the big picture of the parable right so so you got four soils only one of those soils actually bears fruit on the long haul right only one of them and and so jesus is telling us he's teaching us that how you hear the bible is incredibly important it's incredibly important Here's the reality. Not, not everybody hears at the same level. Physically, that's true, right? Some of you in here, you may have that elephant ear. Here, you, you remember Winnie? If you talked about Winnie, if she's in the kitchen and we're in here and you talked about her, she'd hear you. You, know, you remember that about her? She's passed away now, but man, she just had some incredible hearing on her. Okay? Some, some people don't hear well. Some people have hearing aids. Some people have selective hearing. Some people, if you have toddlers, toddlers have a... Have a whole nother kind of capacity for hearing or not hearing. I'm always, we're always amazed at what our little guy, what he picks up. It's like, man, did he hear that? You know, like, wow. But the other day I came in and he's into cooking. By the way, for, for I I think he's been watching the the Baker British Baker Show with his my girls. But anyway, because I came in the other day and and I walked in the kitchen and he has he has a um, a Tupperware on the floor full of water. He has a bagel, immersed in the Tupperware. He has another Tupperware on top of it, and I said, "What?" I said, "What is this?" And he said, "Don't touch it. It's rising." You know. So <laughs> he's got some of the principles there. We just hadn't put it all together, right? But anyway, so I came in yesterday. I came home from from the church, and I opened the door, and his mind here having a kind of a heated conversation here. He's got the fridge door open, and he's pulling food out. She is saying, she's sitting at the computer desk. She's saying, get, honey, get out of the fridge. Get out of the fridge. He is not responding. He is pulling out food. You know, I heard her say it probably three times. I, by this time, I've walked in the kitchen. I grabbed the fridge door. I grabbed his hand. I closed the door. I said, your mom told you to get out of the fridge. He said, I didn't hear, her, you know. <laughs> so not everybody hears at the same level, okay? Okay. Now, now that is true physically. What you need to understand is it is more true spiritually, okay? So as true as that is, then not everybody hears the same way. Not everybody hears the same way. That is more true spiritually, okay? Jesus spent that whole middle section there talking about the prophet Isaiah, how he was saying, some people are going to see but not see, and they're going to hear but not hear. Paul talked about, in Ephesians 1, he prays, he says, God, open the eyes of their heart. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Open the eyes of their heart. Your eyes are are in your head, not your heart. But what Paul understands is, is there is a physical hearing. There's also a spiritual hearing. This is even more important. It's it's the ability to understand and embrace and receive truth. That's what he's talking about. And for many people, they don't hear. They don't don't hear spiritually. They they don't see. They don't see the glory of Jesus. They don't see the value of the gospel. When when, when they open their Bible, when someone shares with them, when their coworker shares a verse, when their neighbor shares the gospel, when when they go hear a preacher or a teacher, they don't don't really hear it. Which brings us to the first soil. The first soil is, is... the road, essentially, right. So, so you can see the picture, right? So, imagine uh, farmers in that day didn't have tractors, didn't have drills, didn't have planters. What they had was a bag. They would till the ground. They had a bag of seed, and they'd be, walk through their their field in rows, and they would broadcast. That's what that's called. They would broadcast the seed, just like this, right? And so, as they're at the edge of their their field, some of that seed would fall in the good soil. Some of it would fall maybe in the what we call the ditch, right? The weeds. Others of it would even go and fall in the road. Right? And and here's what Jesus says about that which hit the road. He says it doesn't have a chance. Like it doesn't sink in. It doesn't do anything in the person because it never sinks in. And in in fact, the birds come and snatch it away. Okay? And then when he gives the interpretation of the parable, he says what that's a picture of is how the evil one will snatch the word away from those whose heart is not receptive. All right? Now, you may be thinking, well, did, did he just mean like um, metaphorically the evil one? Well, no, because when you read it in Mark, he says Satan snatches away the word. When you read it in uh, Luke, Luke 8, he says the devil snatches away the, the word. I mean, he uses, uh, the Gospels use three different words to describe the devil and his work in keeping the word of God from your spiritual ears. Now I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I believe about the whole parable as a whole. I believe, and I'm firmly convinced of this, that only the last soil are true believers. Okay? Now you're going to say, well, hold on, but in the second soul, it says that, that they heard the word and they immediately responded with joy. But yeah, but you see what happened when, when persecution arises or trials arise, They fell away and they didn't bear fruit, the third soul. You say, well, yeah, but it came up. Yeah, but it wouldn't bear fruit. You see, there's no fruit. And the Bible's really clear. When there is no visible fruit in your life, you're not a true believer. Okay, just because you say you're We've already kind of walked through this several times in the book of Matthew. Remember that great passage in Matthew 7 where Jesus says, on judgment day, there's going to be a lot of people who say, Lord, didn't we say? You know, did we say we were believers? Didn't we profess you? And Jesus is going to say, I don't, I never knew you. You like your heart wasn't changed. The, the evidence of true salvation is fruit. It is the visible transformation of your life. Okay, so that's what I believe about this parable as a whole. But I believe we can learn something from each one of these soils, okay? So in other words, I believe we can learn something from knowing that the devil is seeking to steal the Word of God from people's ears. I I think it makes your Bible reading make more sense, doesn't it? How many of you, I, I, I bet, would testify that it is, it is difficult for you to read your Bible. Like, like you find yourself being distracted. You find yourself reading the same thing over and over again. You find yourself, you know, not being able to focus. You find yourself, you know, as soon as you start to read, you start thinking about all the things you got to do. Pretty soon you, you you thought you were reading, but you find yourself scrubbing the baseboards, you know, or you find, you know, all these distractions or the dog barks or the kids come in or somebody spills something and, you know, you just, you find it hard. And maybe even come to church and, and, and as soon as, you know, the word of God be, begins to be preached, you find yourself being distracted from all these things. I think there is, is ample evidence to say the devil does not want you to hear the Bible you might say well people just have trouble focusing do they really have trouble focusing there was a little deal called a football game yesterday in which a team from Oklahoma called Oklahoma State played a team from Oklahoma called OU I don't know if any of you are aware of that going on I bet some of you were I bet some of you were aware of that. Not only were you aware of that, but you were sitting in front of a TV and you were watching it, and I bet you were watching it with great focus, huh, huh? I've 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 heard testimonies of people, men, women, who could be watching a game with such intensity that the house could be falling down around them and they would not know it. The the baby might have pulled off his diaper and doing the roundup with it, poo slinging out of it, and you are watching that game. You cannot get your eyes off that game. I have seen young people. I, I would be interested in a science experiment that would, that would explore this. But I have seen young people who can focus on a video game with such intensity that I believe you could amputate their foot and they would not know it. <laughs> not right away, anyway. Like, like literally, I, I know that's a, that's a joke, but, like, like not, not very much of a joke. Like, I've seen, I've seen boys, I was watching the boys the other day play a video game, and, and another boy, they were wrestling around, hit the boy playing the game. He did, like, a somersault Never stopped, like never broke concentration. Like that's pretty intense. I've seen people, this always amazes me when I travel, like walking through a busy train station, walking through Heathrow Airport, you know, you got tens of thousands of people back and forth, everybody hurrying, hustling, you know, great speed with their luggage, and I will see people concentrating on their phone. Some, I mean, they've got like bat radar or something, you know, they're just like walking through you. Know? And they, I mean, never break concentration. People have an incredible capacity to focus. So why is it when you go to the word of God, all of a sudden you're distracted? See, I think there's a spiritual battle. at war. Like, I believe, I hope you're bought into what I just told you. This word has the power to change your life transform you and and there are forces that do not want you to read it they don't want you to receive it they don't want you to hear it second soil is the rocky soil. Now the, the interesting thing about the rocky soil, okay, so the picture Jesus creates is the the sower sowing and, and you got you got a rock and then you got a little bit of soil on it. Isn't it amazing what will grow? You know, you got a little bit of soil on it and, and it comes up, but but it never is fruitful. You know why it never is fruitful? It doesn't have any root. And so the picture is that when it gets hot, when the sun comes up, it, it scorches it, it withers. Okay, so when Jesus goes into that Interpretation, he says, this is the one who who receives the word, but it's not it's not deeply received. It's there's no there's no root there, and so as soon as things get hard, man, you you know what would be a tragic visual would be to track all the professions of faith that have ever been made. So in other words, anytime anybody said, "Hey, I've become a Christian," "Hey, I've I've heard the gospel and I believe." It would be tragic to track that because I think what you would find is you would find a bunch, you'd find a category of people who had this whoop, this big, you know, this immediate reception followed by a whoo, and then a flat line. I've experienced many people who did not continue in the faith. Right? Now, most of them do not say, hey, I'm out. But but they just didn't continue. They didn't bear fruit. It was shallow soil. There was no depth. There was there was no root. It didn't last. There was not a deep root of commitment to Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the character of Jesus and to be transformed. There was no root. Now, whenever whenever you see a deep root, man, it's it's beautiful. A guy like the Apostle Paul, listen to this guy. Here's what he says about his own faith. Philippians 3:8. He says, Indeed I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him having a righteousness, uh, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through Christ, faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. I mean, here's a guy who says, man, when I came to Jesus, when, I, when I, I, everything else is lost to me. There's nothing more important than my pursuit of Christ. In Acts 20, when they told him, hey, Paul, you go to Jerusalem, they're going to kill you there. Here's what he said in verse 24. He says, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. You see, that's deep roots. That's a guy who's, who's really believed, hadn't he? He has received the word of God. He's received the promises of God. He's received the truth of God, and he is willing, he's willing to hold on to that no matter what. Third soil. The thorny or the weedy heart. Okay, this is the person that hears the good news, and again, there's a response. Okay, there's some sort of response, but but really, they love everything else more than they love Jesus. So it's it's very possible to hear the gospel and say, Hey, look, I don't want to go to hell. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've blown it. I'd really like this forgiveness stuff, and I want to go to heaven. But and so I'll take that. But really, I, I'm not, I'm really don't want to follow Jesus. I really don't want to live for Jesus. I I I'm not really that interested. So so notice what he says. He says the weeds choke it out. What are the weeds? In Matthew Matthew thirteen, Jesus or uh, yeah, Jesus describes that as the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. When you go to Luke's gospel, he says it's the cares and riches and pleasures of life. When you go to Mark's gospel, he says it's the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things that enter and choke the word. Essentially, this is a heart that does not believe Jesus is really better than anything. And so the word gets choked out. And it doesn't, it doesn't transform the person. It doesn't change him. And then there's a good soil, Okay. So the fourth soil is the good soil. Uh, in Matthew 13, uh, 23, he says, As for what was sown on the good soil, there is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Okay, this is, this is the person who hears and receives, okay? Now, I want this to be more clear in your mind. So I would like for you to turn to Luke 8. okay turn to Luke 8. Remember I told you this parable occurs in Matthew 13 it occurs in Mark 4 and it occurs in Luke 8. okay So turn to the Luke 8 one because Luke does a really cool thing here. He kind of he kind of expands that. what does it mean to understand the Word of God? And I really like the way that he does this okay So Luke 8 18. Same soil here, the good soil. And he says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing. Okay, so there's our first step. Hearing the word, they do a couple things. First of all, they hold it fast in a honest and good heart. And they bear fruit with patience. Okay, let's take those one at a time. So they hear the word and they hold it fast. All right, now, What what is what does that mean to hold it fast? I, I looked that up in the Greek, and oh, was I blessed. I, I, I did not know this. I looked up in the Greek and it, here's what it means. It, the, the little definition of it is, is to prevent or hinder or restrain someone from going away. All right? So it's a picture of someone trying to get away, and you're 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 holding them. You're you're keeping them from getting away. I did this yesterday, riding bikes with my little guy. You know, he he wanted to. He wanted to pull out in the street. There was a car coming. He didn't see the car. And I said, I said no. You know, again, hearing problem. He starts to pedal. I grab his arm. Wheel just spins. You know, I, I just I keep him from getting away. Like I, I hold him close. That's what you got to do with the Word of God. Guys, this is good stuff here. This, this, I mean, like this is helpful. This is helpful to me. What does it mean to have the kind of heart that receives the Word in a way that bears much fruit? It means that you, you, you hear the word, and then you hold it fast. You keep it from getting away. You see, it wants to get away, doesn't it? Like the truth of the guy, it doesn't want to get But But you're distracted, right? Like it's easy to, to grab on the word and then poof. You know, to grab on the word and then something pulls you away. You, do, you don't think about it. You don't meditate. You know, the Bible says meditate on the word. That's actually what it means to hold something fast. It means to keep it from getting away. It means to come back to that word again and again and again. You don't let it get away. I remember uh, the mountains have always been super special to me. And uh, growing up, we took our vacations in the winter because my dad was a, a farmer. So we, we'd go skiing. That was our kind of one trip away a year. And, and I remember from the time that I, I was old enough to remember, as we're leaving Denver, coming out of the mountains east on I-70, I would go to the back of the van this was before you had to wear a seatbelt. Probably wasn't a good idea even then. But go to the back of the van. I put my, my chin up on the back, very back, and I would watch those mountains until I could not see them anymore. And I, I remember my mom and dad being like, hey, come up here. You know? I, not, like, I didn't want to miss it. Like, I, even if I was sitting up, I, I kept turning around. Can I still see him? Can I still see him? Can I still see him? What, what was I doing? I was holding fast to the mountains, right? The same way, man. When you grab onto a truth out of God's word, there's so many good ones, isn't there? A truth about forgiveness, a truth about God's promises, a truth about hope, a truth about how to love your brother, how to love your wife, how to parent your kids, how to how to get along with people, how to glorify God. When you when you got a truth like that, then you just you hold it fast. That's that's what brings the big fruit, the hundred. You you're grabbing that word, and you you are. Pulling it in, and you are letting it do its work inside of you. You hold it fast. I was thinking about—I've um, shared it with you many times. I forget how many. I don't know. I probably uh, there's certain things I know I must say over and over again, but sorry, it's me. Um, but I was thinking about how I—I I, I need to say Psalm one eighteen twenty four every day, like. Some of you, you may be naturally joyful people. By looking at you, I'd say some of you are not. But anyway, some of you are, uh, and you just joy. You know, I'm the kind of guy I gotta I gotta go grab that dude in the morning, you know, and I gotta I gotta pull it in. And and actually, I like mornings. Like I'm a morning person. I, I, I get up early I go have my DT groups. But it's about mid morning where like the stress of the day starts hitting me and everything that's coming. And that's when I gotta go get that Psalm 1824 and hold it fast. And I, I gotta say, okay, this is what the Bible said. This is what God says is real. This is what God says your heart ought to be. I'm gonna believe that. I'm gonna I'm gonna obey that. You hold it fast. But notice that Luke says, hold it fast. What's he say? With a good, honest and good heart. All right, so the reality of this parable is. The condition of your heart determines whether you will bear fruit, right? If you got a hard heart and you're just you're not interested in the word of God, it's gonna bounce off. If you got a, a shallow heart, very little root, you're not really embracing these truths. You're only doing so superficially, you're not gonna bear fruit. If you got a weedy heart, really you love everything else, and you just kind of like for Jesus to be a little part of this whole whole thing, but really you got a bunch of other idols in your life, you're not gonna bear fruit. But if if you've got a heart, that is ready for the word, and what kind of heart is that? Well, Luke calls it a good and honest heart. Okay, now let, let me let me shed some light on like what what that actually looks like. So, turn to James one twenty one. James one twenty one is a, is a verse about receiving the word. Okay, it actually James is really kind of quoting Jesus here because because James uses the same imagery, the same kind of metaphor that Jesus does. So in James 1.21, he says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the what? What is that? Implanted word, right? The implanted word which is able to save your souls. All right, so, so what do you need to do to receive the word? Well, the first thing you need to do is put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. In other words... The condition your heart in is in is going to affect how you receive the word. Here's what I know about farmers: Far, farmers know the condition of their soil. If my dad weren't in church right now, we could call him and we could say, "Hey, what's the what's the what's the field like? What's the condition of the soil on um, whatever we'd pick one Dale's Dale's quarter, um, whatever he would know." He would, he would tell you how much moisture it's had. He would tell you how deep the moisture is. He could tell you how much, if there are weeds on the field. He could tell you if there's trash on the field. Not, not like trash, trash. We call uh, like the, and never mind. Anyway, uh, like what's left from last year, the stalks and stuff. You know, that's, we call that trash, but it's not trash. It's just, you know, how, can you get through with the drill? Yeah, he would know all that. Well, the Bible says you should know the condition of your heart. We talked about this last week with words, right? Proverbs, what is it, 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. You should know the condition of your heart. And you should realize that if your heart is not in the right condition, the word of God is not going to impact it. You know what's interesting about that James passage? So in James one twenty-one, he says, you know, put away uh, filthiness and rampant wickedness. And you're like, well, man, what is filthiness and rampant? You know, those are kind of generic words for just things that shouldn't be in your heart. But if you go up a verse, if you go up two verses, you know, you know what it says? How the flow into that one says, let a man be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger, wrath. And then it says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. And then he says, therefore, put away. So here's the deal. Here's a great example. If you are angry in your heart, you will not receive the word. Like it won't, it won't take root in you. It won't bear fruit. It won't do good things. Like if, if you have an unforgiving heart, if you have a bitterness in your heart, the word of God is, is, is not going to take it. I mean, James is telling us, you got to get that out of there to get your heart in a condition where it can receive the word. But the same is true for greed. The same is true for immorality. The same is true for sensuality. The same is true for pride. The same is true for selfishness. What Whatever is in your heart that should not be there, you got you got to, Till the ground of your heart, you got to prepare your heart. Let me let me ask you: How many of you prepare your hearts for the Word? Like like when you're about to open your Bible in the morning, do you ever just do a little heart check? All right, is my, is my heart ready for the Word? Before you come to church, before you go to your small group, before you go to a Bible study, before you sit down with your kids to share the, do you do, you, do, you do a little heart check? All right, is 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 my is there something there that shouldn't be there? Because I got to get that out of there. I got to get my my soil ready to receive the word. And then, man, if I receive the word, man, it'll, it'll be fruitful. It'll change my life. It'll bring mega millions, right? Hundred, sixty, thirty. 30. But back to Matthew 13. Jesus said back up in verse 12, for to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. Okay, stop right there. So for the one who opens his heart to the word, man, fruit is coming. Changed life is coming. Good things are coming. And he's he's gonna have an abundance. The word of God is gonna do good things in your soul. What's the rest of the verse? But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. You notice that the shallow soil, It had the word for a little bit, right? But then it fell away and it ended with nothing, no fruit. The weedy soil, word word started to come up, choked out, nothing. So basically Jesus is saying, it's all or nothing here. If your heart is open to the word of God, there's gonna be much fruit, but if not, then it doesn't matter if you make a superficial profession. It doesn't matter if you get interested in religion a little bit. A lot of people want to dabble, you know. I'll dabble in it. In the end, it will be taken away. Folks, get your hearts ready for the Word of God. Open your hearts to that Word. Hold it fast. Man, as you you think about your Bible, I want you to think about that phrase, hold it fast. That should change the way you you approach the scriptures. It should change the way you memorize. Oh, but can I tell you a big victory? I haven't I haven't told him this yet, so I never ask permission. Just always forgiveness. But so Fred is one of the guys that told me probably ten years ago that he couldn't memorize. You know, he said no. Nah, you know when we did that March memory? He said, ah, pass right. I remember him pushing it back across. I can't memorize no. Okay, Fred drove me to Alva the other day. Uh, I was preaching in Alva. And we stopped at McDonald's. I went to the bathroom. I came back in. And I said, all right, you know, Fred, Fred's, let me pray for you. We're going to pray before we went to the, the student union. Fred's praying for me. In the middle of his prayer, you know what he does? He quotes Psalm 1914. Just praise it. How'd that get there, Fred and Martin can't memorize, huh? You know what he did? He held it fast, right? It got in him. God in him. Now it's, now it's doing stuff. It's bearing fruit. Father, please, God, help us to grab onto your word. Father, the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of, of what you've done for us, of what you will do, of your promises, of your commands, of your character, who you are. God, help us to grab onto those truths. God, help us to receive them with a just a good and an honest heart. God, help us to to put away, to confess, to repent of things that might clog up our hearts and keep us from the word. Father, help us to have deep roots, Lord, that we we would see real transformation in our lives. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?